NotFest.com presents Talk To Me. With over 300 interviews under his belt and six years running, your host Joshua Toomey interviews metal and rock's heaviest hitters. Follow the show at Talk To Me Talk. Here's your host, Joshua Toomey. All right, guys, well, let's uh, welcome back to the program the legend himself, Ricky Rackman, to the Talk To Me podcast here, not best.com. Ricky, how are we today? Legend? The legend himself. <laughs> you throw that word out very lightly. <laughs> in this world, you're a legend. How about that? In this house. In this, <laughs> actually, no. In this room. When I walk out there, no. <laughs> On this podcast, you are a legend. Yes. I'm right. I, I, you know, you're not supposed to wear the band shirt you're going to see, but I figured I would bust out my Headbangers Ball shirt that I ordered from you. You know, uh, for the interview, are you are you allowed to do that at interviews? I don't know. I believe so. Um, and I think, well, of course, the band shirt doesn't apply to Iron Maiden. Right. And there was another band that I saw that everybody had band shirts. You know what band I saw that everybody was wearing band shirts was Jackal. Really. Like okay. everybody was Jackal shirts at Jackal, Iron Maiden, and I'm trying to think of another band that I guess it's okay. But I've always been a big believer of like you don't wear the band shirts to the show and you don't listen to the band in the parking lot, which everybody seems to do because I am known to tailgate here and there. Right. I've, but I've never listened to because, you know, if there's a certain band I'm going to go see live, I don't want to listen to the song right before I see him. Cause I'm like, Oh yeah, I can't wait to hear this song live. Yeah. I've always thought that was kind of an odd phenomenon too. I don't, I don't think I've ever talked to anybody about that, but yeah, listening to the band, maybe on the way to the show to pump you up, but I've never understood on the way out of the show. Like you just heard it live and now you're, you're refocusing yourself on the studio version again. Like just let the, let the live version sink in for a minute. What you should do is <clears> if you're not aware of the opening band, then you listen to the opening band on the way. So you're like, okay, this is what this band sounds like. If it's, especially if it's an opening band that you're not familiar with, then you listen to the opening band on the way to the show. Yeah, the the last Louder Than Life that I covered, I was like, you know what, I'm going to listen to every band that I don't know on this bill, and I and I went down this rabbit hole of just, because there's just so many bands, it's four days wow. now, it's, you know, six stages, <laughs> it's crazy now, and so just kind of diving into like some of those more unknown bands, because you, you obviously don't want to miss a band that you're going to like either, that, you know, maybe a, a month or two later, you're like, oh man, I had a chance to see them, uh, yeah, so, so yeah. I'm one of those guys that, that enjoys... It's like some people's like, you know, they don't like seeing bands. They don't know. They just want to see the headliner. Right. I try to get there early when I can to see a band that I'm not familiar with. I mean, I remember when I went to see Slayer and Children of Bodom was opening up for him. And I went and saw him and wasn't really that familiar with the band. And I was watching, you know, Alexi and my friends were like, come on, let's go backstage. I'm like, guys, go ahead. Like, <laughs> I was standing there. And I was, I mean, literally, I stood on the floor by myself just in awe of watching this cat play guitar. And uh, and that very rarely happens. And then I did the stuff like after I got home, I started getting all their albums and, and got into the band purely because they were opening for a Slayer show. Well, I kind of wanted to talk to you about uh, something I think you've kind of manifested over the last couple of years. And it's kind of been kind of fun to watch. But I interviewed you a few years ago and you were talking about wanting to do 
you know, more of the hosting stuff and you wanted to do Sirius XM stuff and you wanted, and you're like, why don't I get those calls? And then over the last few months, you know, I saw that you did like a week on Sirius XM with, with Jose and you did, you know, you're going to do the Lamb of God cruise, you know, kind of doing some MC stuff there. So it's, it's, it's kind of nice to kind of see that you kind of threw that out into the ether and it's kind of coming back and, uh, and kind of paying off. Well, the truth about the Jose thing is um, it's true. I wanted to be on, on Sirius XM. I wanted to do my own show and wanted to have fun. And Jose is nice enough just to say like, yeah, let's promote your spoken word show. And while I was there, he said, do you want to do listener takeover? I'm like, well, he goes, just pick five songs. And I did that. And then they played it once every day. <laughs> right. I wasn't on it for a week. Okay. And I didn't even know. And, and the, the bummer is like, I didn't even really know what I was doing. So he played the same intro every time I played a song. So every time it said, I'm Ricky Rackman, I'm kicking down the doors. I'm taking <laughs> the and it said that every single, so people are like, dude, he says the same thing every time, but it was the same thing, but it was really, really nice that Jose let me do that. And it was a lot of fun. And it was like very last minute. I'm like, um, he's like, we'll pick five songs. I was like, okay, I like this. This the last one I heard from creator. And I liked it. And so I just like was right. throwing songs out there very, very last minute, but it was really cool because it was also people were a little bit surprised to hear some of the music that I listened to. Cause it, it's not what people think. I mean, I listen to so many different types of music and as I get older, I find myself listening to a lot of heavier music than I might've in the past, which is kind of fun. Yeah. That's the worst when you get asked to do something like that and you don't really know what to do. So you do it and then you hear what everyone else did on something and you're like, Oh, well, now I know what I could have done. That was kind of me on Headbangers Ball. Like, I got asked to do it. I didn't really know what I was doing. And then after five years, I looked back and said, man, I should have done this. But but that was funny. <laughs> so, so, yeah, still, you know, and I told Jose, hey, I'd love to work for SiriusXM. And they just have no interest in hiring me, which is absolutely okay. And the Headbangers Boat thing was because I'm doing these uh, storytelling shows mm -hmm. where, I, where I leave on tour and I go in front of crowd however big and i just tell all these stories and do all this stuff and uh, and you know mark morton who's been a, a very good friend for a long time mentioned the cruise thing and the idea of the spoken word on the cruise and then they were like hey would you want to do that on the headbangers boat and i was like well who's on it and they showed me the lineup i'm like hell yes <laughs> because that is a cruise that like I'm glad that they're that I'm on it doing my show so I don't have to buy a ticket because and it's sold out. It's sold right. out like instantly. It's like, you know, these are the type of ship cruise ships that I want to go on. It's like, oh, so I get to go there and I get to see Lamb of God and I get to see Hate Breed and I get to see Municipal Waste, which I've never seen. And all these bands that, that, that I really like. So I'm, I'm very excited about this and get to hang out with Jamie and Jose, which are, are great people, too. It's it's crazy that like kind of our, our quote unquote generation is now like the cruise ship generation because you know growing up it would be like a monkey's cruise or something and now it's a Lamb of God hate breed cruise and then you know but we're going. Yes, I mean yes, that is weird. Just saying the same thing with the Vegas residency, mm -hmm. but things are different now. We're not as consumers. We're not going to shows. So about the cruise ship. Um, it, we consume things differently these days. So it used to be, we just go to shows, we go buy records and now we don't go to shows like we used to, except for metal shows. And, um, you know, the idea is there never was something like this, the headbangers boat. 
you know, you know, they've done different hard rock, heavy metal cruises before, but this is just something that's just cool. And, and it was, I don't think necessarily it's our generation is now the cruise ship generation. I just, <laughs> I don't think there necessarily was cruises like this before. Right. I had gone on a cruise once before and I freaking hated it, but these things I like because it, it's just going to be fun. It's just going to be really, really fun. I was listening to a a show talking about the Kiss Cruise, and it was funny. The host was talking about, you know, after a day or two, I kind of got bored. It's like, how many times can you go to a restaurant bar, go watch a band, restaurant bar, go to a band? It's just like, I finally ended up watching TV in my cabin. It's like, Jesus. Well, that's sad. Yeah, that's sad. I am not going to be watching TV in my cabin. <laughs> I mean, at the very least, other than I'm, I'm doing it and, uh, you know, Leah is going to be with me. And, and, uh, other than seeing bands, I'll be hanging out, talking to people. I mean, anybody that knows me knows that I'm not like a velvet robe VIP section guy. I like to go out and talk to people. I have fun doing, that's one of the reasons that I like these storytelling shows that I'm doing because I like to go out there. I like to talk Mm -hmm. and I like to go out and, and meet people. So this is all, this is all real fun stuff for me. So how many of the storytelling shows have you done? I know you did the one in Charlotte. That's it. it. So how did that one go? I know you were kind of, you you were posting a lot about it, kind of getting a little nervous before it. So how did it I still am nervous (laughs) Um, about the Charlotte show? It was, there was so much about it that was interesting. And when, when I say this, I hope when you guys are listening to this, that you don't take this lightly. When I say that this is better than what I could have dreamed of, I mean that really from the heart. I mean, I've always thought about doing stuff like this, but I'm going on tour. I'm leaving on Tuesday to do five shows in five days. I thought I was going to be in a tour bus. I'm in a minivan, (laughs) but um, I get to go on stage and I get to stand up there and do my show. And my show is, is storytelling all true, but it's more than that. And um the Charlotte show, you know, the idea was to go up there for an hour, 10 minute intermission, go on for another hour. And the show ended up being three hours, over three hours. There's no way I'm going to do an over three hour show. I remember when Rollins did three hours. I thought that was really long, but Rollins is so good at it. Mm-hmm. But um, my show is going to be a little bit shorter than the Charlotte show was, but I'm also going to try to incorporate more video and more photos. And it's, it's not just me like, in 1988, Guns N' Roses, really, it's not that. It's my life experiences being in the scene because, you know, so many people have written books about the scene, but these people are like, you know, writers or journalists. It's like I was there for most of these things. I was a participant. I witnessed it. And it's not all, you know, a lot of it has to do with Cat House. A lot of it has to do with Headbangers Ball. But there's also a lot of stuff that happened in my my life that people don't know about. People don't know about, you know, the arrests or the drugs or the porn or the whatever, just weird stuff. And I think some people are going to, I hope that some people find inspiration in it. I hope people, I I really, I mean, the most important thing is I really want people to have a good time. And I, I reveal some stuff that is extremely embarrassing that I've never told anybody. And, uh, and, you know, there's also, you know, what's it like doing a show like Headbangers Ball, which you've got a million people that really love what you do. 
and you've got some people that really do not like what you do. And the people that do not like what you do are quite vocal about it. And here I am like, wow, like I've got, I mean, Hey, I had haters before having haters was trendy. (laughs) And, um, and, and what is it really like, you know, for people to say like, Oh, who cares? You know, when I'm reading a letter that says you suck, what is it really like when you're reading those? You know, I mean, now the, the beauty of today is, is like, like when you're a hater and you sit post mean stuff on the internet, it's kind of pathetic. It's like, like I'll look at like a blabbermouth, you know, mm-hmm. and anything that anybody says, anything, everybody takes so much joy in talking shit. I'm like, you guys are pathetic. If you <laughs> go out there and you put nothing but negativity out there and you say, you suck, this song sucks. Some of it's going to blow back and you're miserable. If there's a song from a band that I don't like, I, I'm not going to spend 20 minutes complaining about a Metallica snare sound. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's something I like, I'll go off on that. If I hear this new song from obituary and I like it, it's better for me to say, I really like the new obituary than how much I hate this. I don't spend time. If there's something I don't like, I just, I just, I turn the page. So when people spend time to seek somebody out to tell them that they don't like them, it's like, dude, you are really spending a lot of time wasting time, you know? And uh, that's the generation that that I believe that a lot of us live in. And it's not just metal. It's in politics. It's in every community there is. So uh, that really didn't answer the question about the show, but, (laughs) but, but, you know, obviously I'm very passionate about a lot of this stuff. And I also have so many experiences you know, some of the stories people have heard from how I got my start, whether it was the DJ at Tommy Lee's wedding or how Axl Rose helped me get the job at MTV. I mean, a lot of, and, and went with me to audition. I'm, uh, many people know those stories, but I go into greater depth of those and things that happened at the cat house. I mean, that era was a magical era that will never be duplicated. And I was there, you know, I had dare I say the greatest rock and roll club in the world. You know, what is it like when all of a sudden they have flat out banned the band body count. And I tell ice T right when cop killers hit, do you want to play the cat house? He's like, you know, that we're like not allowed to play anywhere, especially LA. I'm like, I don't care. You know, (laughs) and and we did stuff like that. We did whatever we wanted at the cat house and we were rewarded for our bad behavior. A lot of stuff there. The, the one thing that, that, Kind of listening, I think it was the Cat House podcast, kind of the early episodes of it when you talked about, you know, post Headbangers Ball, post, you know, doing Loveline and or somewhere in there where you were like selling cars. And that, like it just blew my mind that like Ricky Rackman was selling cars. And, and you talk about people trying to buy a car and like, wait a minute, aren't you the guy from MTV? And and, and that was kind of a time where where I think now if you were like Headbangers Ball, Ricky Rackman and you you left that. You, you could go into a podcast or you could go into the internet and, and build up rickyrackman.com or something like that. But, but, you know, back in, in 95, whatever, you really don't have that opportunity. Well, that was in, well, the story about what led me to do that was this was in 2000. Yeah. And um, I was a very successful talk radio host. I had a show called the triple R that was very, it was Howard Stern in the morning and Ricky Rackman radio in the afternoon. And what happened was, is uh, I beat up a DJ. I went to the radio station and beat the shit out of a DJ and ended up going to jail. And when you work for Infinity Broadcasting and you've beat up somebody, 
nobody's going to hire you because then they run the risk of violence in the workplace and they hired somebody that has a history of violence. So I could not get a job. And I'm not going to be that guy that, God damn it, this is who I used to be. Hire me. <laughs> Nobody would hire me. So I like, you know what? I'm not rich and I don't have rich parents or anybody supporting me. So I'm going to go get a job. So I got a job as a car salesman. And when I got a job as a car salesman, I went in there thinking, okay, one day I'm going to own the dealership, which never happened. I was a horrible car salesman. <laughs> and I had to put on a shirt and tie and I had to sell cars and people would say, are you Ricky Rackman from Headbangers Ball? And I'm like, yeah, can I show you this Jetta? And if people, and if you wondered, did it bug me? It bugged me every single day. I hated it. I had no money. I had my power turned off. I mean, it was really, really tough. But for somebody to have a regular job, there's nothing humiliating about a regular job. There's nothing, there's nothing humiliating about a rock star that now works at Starbucks because if you've got a regular job your whole life and there's somebody that at one point had everything and then lost it all, he at least had something at one point. So it was very, very tough, especially when you're used to a very certain type of lifestyle. But I never, ever, ever gave up. And I kept on working and working and working until, you know, these past three years have been some of the best years financially and fulfilling in my whole life. I'm in a different place. I've, I mean, I had a radio show that was on once a week for 19 years and it ended last week. So <laughs> I might be selling cars next week. But, um, and that, that was a real big blow. But, you know, when one door closes, you can sit there and be depressed or you can move forward. You know, I've had a very, very great, a very successful career working in motorsports because I'm a race fan. And I decided, how am I going to work in NASCAR? And, you know, I'm still on Fox Sports with motorcycle racing. And the reason I'm doing that is because I really like motorcycles and I like NASCAR. So I try to find things that I love. You know, when I worked on Headbangers Ball, I was the guy that owned the Cat House. The reason the Cat House was open was because I love rock and roll. And the same thing. And obviously, um, you know, I love talking. And that's why these spoken word shows are just the best. You know, people say, why didn't you ever write a book? Well, here's my book. Instead, you go to my show, you sit down, and I'm going to read to you. I'm not going to read you. I'm going <laughs> to tell you what this book would be. Because I'm going to tell you and show you and describe it to you all live on stage, on theaters and clubs in America. You know, so... You know, and I do talk about that. I mean, it's it's tough to be Ricky Rackman from Headbangers Ball sitting in an apartment when your power gets turned off. A crappy little apartment. I mean, a crappy little apartment with no money, you know, and being a biker and having ridden motorcycles my whole life. And now I don't even have a motorcycle. It's like it's it's really, really tough. So you can sit here and you can be miserable. You can say, you know, I'm going to work my ass off to get back to where I am. And let's be honest right now. I'm about to go on tour on Tuesday for the first time in my whole life. I've got a mohawk. I've got a <laughs> great house, a great wife that's a tattoo artist, and I'm 60 fucking years old. Okay. I'm 60 and I'm starting a new chapter and it could be real easy to just sit there and just say, Oh, I'm going to be this good. It's like, fuck that. I want to, I want money. I want to have things. <laughs> I want security. I want to have a great life. So I'm going to work my ass off. So I get a lot further. And, and you know what? Things fail all the time. Look at that. We talked about Sirius XM. They didn't hire me. So am I going to say, screw them? No. I found out that I can be 
go further knowing that Jose's my friend and that Eddie Trunk has helped me promote my shows. Well, that gets a lot further than saying, screw those guys for not hiring me. You know, so I don't have time. I'm, I'm old. I don't have time <laughs> for negativity. I'm going to more shows now. I mean, I went to, I've seen probably five bands in the last week, you know, wow. and I've had fun. And I'm like, <laughs> so, so if you want to be a hater, go ahead. I don't care. I don't care. You know, you've, you've kind of always talked about the hater side of everything, but, but getting out and doing these type shows, even the Charlotte show and you're, you know, they're seeing that the tickets are selling on the other shows, things like that. Like, does that like still kind of blow your mind that, that people still care that much about Ricky Rackman to go and, and, and sit down and listen to your life story and pay to hear you talk about yourself? Joshua, you have no idea how amazing <laughs> When I did my Charlotte show, the Charlotte show had a little under 500 people there. And I was on stage and I said something and somebody had yelled something from the audience. And my first reaction is attack and to start right. whipping them to shreds. You know, like, well, fuck you. Because I'm good at that stuff. And then I stopped and I, and I, and I had to stop for a second and said, you got to understand. I'm the guy that's on stage introducing a band. Every time I'm on stage introducing a band, you don't want to see Ricky Rackman. You want to see the band. I had to remember that, wait, I'm on stage and every single one of these people paid money to hear me talk. And that's really hard to figure when, <laughs> when if I walk into a room and there's a thousand fans mm -hmm. and there's one person that's a hater, I tend to focus on that hater being the majority when he's not. So that one person said something and it turned to be just all he said was Danzig. And I said, you know what? I'm sorry. I was going to say something really mean and, and realizing these people are actually there. So, you know, they have these, they have shirts now that's got this cartoon of me on a chopper that say Ricky who on the back and people buy those shirts and people are buying signed posters and it, I'm signing posters feeling like, I'm in a dream world right now. Like this is so ridiculous and you have no idea how appreciative I am. You know, all these shows are selling great. There's one show that's not selling that great right now. If I go into that venue and there's 10 people there, I can go on stage and be pissed off that there's 10 people, or I can think, you know what? I'll be damned if these 10 people are going to have a good time and we're going to have fun and, and gather around. We're going to tell some stories. I mean, it is mind blowing to me that people are going to my show and, and, and please forgive me if I sound egotistical when I say this, but when I've walked off stage, people have told me, dude, this is what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. This is what you're good at. And uh, I remember, you know, I, I made a playlist of songs that I would listen to right before I go on stage and that I would play it really, really loud. And it, right before I go on stage and Leah was in the dressing room with me and in the entire time I owned Cat House and the entire time I owned Bordello, the one thing I never did was dance. I don't dance. I don't <laughs> dance. But we cranked up the music and it was just Leah and I in the dressing room and we were dancing and all the preparation had been done. Whatever was going to happen was going to happen. I was about to walk on stage to a sold out neighborhood theater. And at that moment, I'm like, this right here is the greatest moment I've ever had in my whole life, in my whole life, mm -hmm. because I'm about to go on stage and these people, and I know this sounds like so egotistical, like they want to hear me talk and I want to share it with them. And, and it sounds so lolly lolly, 
but it's like you can't understand because, you know, yes, I've played in bands, but these were bands that weren't like, you know, like I can't imagine what it'd be like to be in a band, to be on stage and have these people just so into everything that you've created. And this is the closest that I'll ever come to being a rock star because I'm, I mean, people are sick of hearing me saying, well, I'm going out on the road, I'm going on tour, I'm going on this because I say it all the time. And I used to, I remember one time in 1988, this was right after Nikki Six OD'd. Okay. And Nikki Six had a party at his house and there were only six of us there. It was right after Christmas. And it was Nikki Six, Stephen Adler of Guns N' Roses, Stephen Piercy from Rat, Fred Coy from Cinderella. And <clears throat> I apologize for dropping names. And we were just all sitting there. This was before I was at MTV. And I remember sitting there and we were all sitting there and they were all telling stories about stuff that happened on the road. And I just <laughs> was going like, can you imagine, you know, and Nikki's telling stories about getting thrown off a bullet train and they're talking about, all, and I'm just like hearing these road stories. And I'm just like, like if only, and now, and, and, and remember you're hearing from the guy that hasn't left yet. I've got five shows in five days with a lot of miles in between shows. I might feel differently next week, <laughs> but right now the whole idea of, getting in a yes minivan was a tour bus was a transit van was a suburban now it's a minivan getting in a minivan driving from flint michigan to buffalo new york you know that sounds glamorous to me you know, <laughs> is, you know pouring into the tim hortons for coffee mm-hmm. you know, all of this sounds great i don't know how i'm gonna feel this time next week i might be wiped out i might think like this sucks this isn't that great but I really don't think I'm going to feel like that because I'm really, I'm really excited. And I'm going to assume your uh, tour antics are going to be a little bit different than, uh, you know, 80s Motley Crue tour antics. So, <laughs> Of course. <laughs> well, for one, <laughs> it's so funny. Um, my wife, if people don't know, is Leah Vendetta that was on the TV show Ink Master Season 1 that is one of the greatest tattoo artists around. And she's pretty freaking hot. And uh, I've hired her as my tour manager. And I said to her, I said, well, you know, Leah, if you're my tube manager, you don't have to worry about like groupies or stuff like that. And she looks at me, she goes, oh, I'm not worried about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not worried about groupies. I'm like, oh, thanks. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, it. it's, and also it's, you know, I get tired. So it's, it's, <laughs> tired. it's you know, I'm, it's like, you know, the after parties and stuff like that. I don't know. And also because, I mean, you know, she has been working her butt off setting up the routes and like, okay, wheels up at 5 a.m. What? Like, because we have a lot of driving every single day. So we've got to be in a van to get from, you know, from Buffalo, New York to Sellersville, Pennsylvania. Oh, December, it's cold and snowy in Buffalo. I was not aware of that. You know, (laughs) like there's all these things that we have to worry about. And I know what it's like because I've ridden, you know, my motorcycle coast to coast 16 times. Mm-hmm. So I'm aware of what can happen traveling. But this is this is going to be interesting. The one thing I can pretty much guarantee is I'm going to be fat. I am, gaining <laughs> so, I am gaining so much weight this week. But at least I don't go on stage saying that I'm not. I'm like, people, I'm getting big. And let me tell you something. It's really easy to do if anybody wants the 
how, learn how to get fat like all your favorite rock stars. It's so easy. <laughs> <laughs> um, you got time for a couple more? I got plenty of time. Right. I made sure that you were the last one I talked because I always have fun talking to you. Oh, nice. And, well, look uh, at that. And I like not fast. Well, there you go. Um, actually, so- I actually, when I set up the spoken word thing, I, I, um, I texted Corey Taylor and I was like, Hey, I'm going to do a spoken word thing. You know, I asked him for advice cause he's, he's right. great at it. And, uh, and he was just like, if all else fails, just do a Q and a, that was Corey's advice. That's probably a pretty good one. It'd probably be a lot of, uh, so talk about dancing, but I, I think like you, you were talking earlier with the guy yelling Danzig at you. I don't necessarily know if that's a hater or if that's just someone in on the joke. You know what I'm saying? Like, like he's, he's on probably on your side, but knows it's a, a, a sore spot. Maybe the funny thing about Danzig and, <clears throat> um, is, you know, if you ask the, the people, the, the things that people comment about a lot of times is people love to say like, Glenn Danzig hated you. He tried to throw you in a fire. Oh, Dave Mustaine hated you so much he always gave you it's like you people a thank you for remembering those shows and don't you realize these are the two bands that are playing my birthday party <laughs> right. that are like when i'm hanging with my friends we're not you look very nice today we're like get out of the road you fat slob you know, you know <laughs> that's the way we are you know i went skydiving with dave all the time and um and dave has said in plenty of interviews the reason he gave me a hard time is he wanted me to succeed because he didn't treat me like a journalist. He treated me like, okay, I know you're green at this. You know, I'm going to make you tough, not make me tough, but make me think on my feet. And even though Dave Mustaine gave me a hard time, I never was like, Ooh, I'm so frazzled. I was never <laughs> frazzled with it because I love Dave Mustaine. And thank God that I have that relationship with Dave Mustaine because I hate to stop listening. If somebody's a dick, I don't listen to music. And I love Megadeth so much. So, so Dave was always very, very supportive. And probably about a couple of years ago, Dave said to me, he's like, you know, we were like the Abbott and Costello of rock and roll. And I thought about that. I'm like, yeah, because nobody ever goes up to me and says, dude, what about that interview with you and Lars? They don't even say, what was it like meeting Brian Johnson of ACDC? People don't say those things, mm-hmm. but people talk about Dave Mustaine all the time. And they talk about Glenn Danzig all the time. And if I was the butt end of a joke and having those guys make fun of me gave you something to remember, then I succeeded. And that's what I want. You know, there was never time that I did something that, that I felt, I I never felt like a victim. If somebody gave me a hard time, if there was an artist on headbangers ball that I really did not like, guess what? They wouldn't have been on headbangers ball. Do you guys notice how many times Megadeth was on headbangers ball as a guest all the time? And I could not wait for Dave Mustaine to be on the show because it wasn't going to be the regular interview. And I watch my early interviews with Megadeth and I I'm telling you, nobody thinks I did a worse job more than me. I was terrible. He was giving me shit. And I'm like, well, tell us about the new video, you know, trying to ask the questions that I thought I was supposed to ask. And then if you look in the later episodes of Headbangers Ball, you know, in 93, when I'm at a water park with Allison Chains, you know, these are the things that people really remember because I'm, I'm goofing around. I'm hanging out with these people. You know, people say like one of the reasons Headbangers Ball wouldn't work is because you know, these videos are accessible at any given time. Yeah, that's true. But 
the way that we goofed around and did stuff with bands mm-hmm. is not out there. And, and, you know, people say, bring back the ball. I would, I would love nothing more. I mean, we spoke, you know, a couple years ago about me doing a show called the ball on, mm-hmm. on Gimme metal. And I got to pick every <clears throat> single video on that show. And I thought that the show was great, but it ended. You know, it ended. So I tried to bring back the ball, and I worked my ass off on that show. I produced it. I that was, did, yeah, that was fun. The show was great. We did goofy segments in it, and uh, and I was very, very happy with it. But it, it ended. Stuff ends, you know. Most of the things people want, you know, it's, it's kind of weird, sometimes frustrating, is most of the things that people would like to see me do, I want to do. You know, right. so when somebody's, it's like, you know, if, if you're really craving a piece of cake and there's no cake available and somebody goes up to you and says, you should eat a piece of cake. It's like, I know I want a piece of cake. <laughs> you know, the cake isn't available. That's the worst analogy I ever came. Uh, no, I, I got it though. But like you know it. what I mean? It's like, like all these things that people want me to do, like I told them to be, I'm like, Hey, I never shot a final episode of Headbangers Ball. I will be glad to do it. And you can give every penny that you would pay me to charity of your choice. It's not a money situation. I want to do Headbangers Ball, but they don't want to do it. They just don't want to do it. You know, it's the same thing with Sirius XM and stuff like, and am I bitter? Absolutely not. There's somebody there that A, doesn't like me, or maybe maybe I wouldn't be good at it. And maybe they, they know that. Okay, so I've moved on. And now I know I'm going to get hired to do my own show because it's me. Mm-hmm. Nobody can fire me from doing one foot in the gutter because it's my show. So, uh, and the fact that, and, and you know what? The one thing I say in my show, and I'm sorry for rambling as much. No, you're good. <laughs> that, that's an, that I say in my show, which is an important thing that I really try to convey, is that if you think of all the horrible things that happened in your life, think about those. You put those over there. Now think about things that happened in your life that were like, just awesome. And it was the right place, right time. Well, if those bad things didn't happen, you wouldn't have been in the situation you were in for these great things to happen. And I'll use an example. Started talk about my love life so much, but <laughs> I was hired as the host of Ink Master. And I had booked a part all the time for that show. And I was so happy that I was going to be the host of Ink Master. I'm back on TV. I'm going to be hosting the show. This is great. And then it was time to shoot and they didn't call me. And then they called me the week later and they said, Dave Navarro got the gig and I was devastated. I thought I was going to be the show. Well, you skip ahead three years and the contestant on that first season is my wife, which I'm very happily married. If I would have gotten that show, that wouldn't have been my wife. If I would have been turned down for some of these shows, I wouldn't be up on stage doing this. If I would have been hired by Sirius XM to do five days a week, I wouldn't be out on the road doing one foot in the gutter, which is what I really, really want to do. So sometimes these really bad things lead into other things. The thing is, if something bad happens, don't sit on your ass, pissed off that this bad stuff is happening, claw your way to the top and try to go forward. And you never know what's going to present itself. And, and, and I look at all these things that are positive and believe me, there's a lot of stuff that goes wrong. There's a lot. I'm bummed. I lost my radio show, but think about this. I had a weekly radio show for 19 years. I did 1,027 episodes and it ended the week before I'm going out to do my spoken (laughs) words. I'm like, you know, you have to, and I don't care if you're spiritual or not, but sometimes you have to believe that 
there's plans and I believe that there is a plan and I'm hoping these spoken word shows go really, really well because if they don't, I don't know what next, what the next step is. <laughs> the lights will be cut off. <clears throat> the, uh, um, I know, I know people go back to the, to the Dave Mustaine stuff, the Glenn Danzig stuff. I was going to ask you, are there maybe an interview or two that, that pops up to you from headbangers ball that no one ever talks about, but like you're probably more proud of or, or just, Kind of, kind of looking back, going, man, that was a lot of fun. I wish people would bring this up more. Yeah, nobody ever talks about Al Jorgensen of okay. Ministry. There was a time that Ministry was like huge. That okay. Ministry was so big, and they wanted to put Al Jorgensen on MTV. And what Al said is, he goes, "The only person I'm going to let interview me is Ricky Rackman." And so MTV calls, and they're like, "Al said the only person he'll talk to is you." So we went to Madison Square Garden. We took two fold-out chairs and set them down. And I just sat there and I talked to Al. And it was rad because the thing about, about him and ministry is I like talking to interesting people. I like talking to people that maybe think the same way I do or don't think the same way I do, but are smart and intelligent. I like having what I, I don't, I'm not an interviewer. I like to think that I'm a conversation. Con- conversation whatever like <laughs> me and you like right now josh yeah. we're, we're hanging out we're just talking yeah you know and and that's what i got to do with al that interview was great nobody remembers when i got to interview brian johnson i don't remember it either but i know that i met him i know that he was really really nice to me um you know the shows that everybody remembers are if i was to pick my two favorite shows you know it's the Allison Chains. I mean, people remember Allison Chains. People remember Chris Cornell and I bowling. Mm-hmm. And and I get that because that was really, really fun. I never got to have hard-hitting discussions with people that I would like to. You know, I would love, like right now, I'd love to sit down for half an hour with Rob Halford because Rob Halford's a very interesting person. And the questions that I'd like to ask him are not MTV questions. Right. They're not serious XM questions. I'd like to have some real conversations with him. And, uh, and, you know, the things that people tend to remember are goofy stuff or stuff where they saw the host getting grilled. And uh, those, those are the shows that people remember, but you know, there's, I, I think the things that I, I remember were just really cool. So, you know, being with Michael Monroe from Hanoi Rocks in Japan, mm-hmm. you know, that was really cool. All the different things that we did with Ozzy, we did some really, really fun things with Ozzy. Um, I don't know. I think, but the Al Jorgensen thing really, really, I remember, and, you know, hanging out at Jason Newstead's house with everybody in Metallica. And getting oh, yeah. Metallica, and during Metallica, you know, I'm sitting in in the room with Metallica, and there's a microphone, and they're like, "Do you want to do something?" I'm like, "Well, I used to be in a band that did Stone Cold Crazy. I mean, I sang Stone Cold Crazy with Metallica. <laughs> okay, yeah. I mean, I sang Stone Cold Crazy with Metallica. I got to run around Texas with Pantera. I got to kick a football at Dallas Stadium with uh, with Vinny and Dime. I mean." These are some of the most incredible moments in the world. And, uh, and these are the things that I got to experience in my life. So do you really think that I give a fuck when somebody says you cut your hair and sold out? Really? Really? Do you think that really hurts my feelings? (laughs) 
It's like, shut up. Uh, I do. I do blame you for my lifelong love of Pantera because of that. Uh, that episode alone. Um, what, what lot, uh, the Pantera. I think out of any band, Pantera is the one that people have told me, like, dude, you turned me on to Pantera, and I. It's flattering, even though I don't believe that I deserve that because MTV picked the videos, mm-hmm. and but people's a lot of times people's very first exposure to Pantera was through me. Mm-hmm. I was just doing what they told me to do. But when we went to go see Skid Row in Fayetteville, North Carolina, and Pantera was opening up for Skid Row, I was like, oh, I'm all about this band. This band is great. <laughs> and I knew it. And I knew from talking to them. And we had so much fun. And I remember, you know, hanging out with those guys and and talking to Phil about Mike Tyson and just everything. And I was just like, oh, this is like, like, that's a rock band. That's just like a, a rock. Every, everything about them is a rock band. You know, nobody treated the fans better. And, uh, you know, when people say like, you turned me on to Pantera, I was like, well, I don't believe I deserve the credit, but I hear it all the time. And that's really flattering. Yeah. It was the, the, uh, the, the I think it was like the week before far beyond driven came out. And <clears throat> like I've told many people, I mean, I would, I would, tape headbangers ball and watch it all week and then by the end of the week i was i had seen pantera every day and i was like i love these guys i'm gonna go buy this album now and you know here i am 25 years later yeah you know what i'm curious about i'm curious if there are any people under 40 complaining about this pantera tribute band because i wonder if everybody complaining about Zach and Charlie taking out Pantera are people that saw the original Pantera. I used to say, okay, should it have happened a long time ago? Absolutely. And I was always, and I was even saying Pantera needs to get back together and play and have Zach play guitar. I mean, we always said, well, if anybody's going to, nobody's going to be like mine, but everybody in the world said, if it was going to be somebody, nobody said, Oh, maybe it should be this person. Everybody thinks it should have been Zach. There is no doubt in my mind. And I always said, and I might have even said it on your show a couple of years back. <laughs> the thing that I always felt bad is that kids never got to see Pantera in their prime yeah. because Pantera was great, just so great. And I always feel bad that these kids that are metal fans never got to see Pantera. Are they going to see Pantera? No, they're not. They're not going to see Pantera. They're going to see Pantera's music performed by more than capable musicians. It doesn't have the Abbott brothers and they are Pantera. Mm-hmm. But you still got Phil, it's got Rex, you got Zach and Charlie. I mean, it's going to be great. Um, is Phil 2023 going to sound like Phil 1993? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Do I want to see that show? Absolutely. I want to see that show. You know, I, it's just, yes, they should have done it a long time ago, but they didn't. It sucks they didn't. Right. Do I think it's a money grab? No. I don't think it's a money grab. I really don't think Charlie or Zach are hurting for money. And Phil probably doesn't have a lot of money. But I, I, I'm i excited about it. And to know that that show is opening up for Metallica, it's right. like, wow. You know? Yeah, my phone on Monday just 
like might have melted in my pocket because as soon as that was announced, everybody's like, did you hear? Did you hear? Did you see? Did you listen to the new Metallica song? Did you see the stadium tour announcement? I'm like, no, uh, like give me five seconds. It came out of nowhere. Yeah. It really, like I had no, like I saw it and you never, I never believe anything I see online. So when I saw it, I was like Metallica and Pantera. Then the other day I think it's Metallica and five finger death punch or something. I'm like, is this true? Like, like wow like that's that's huge you know and uh it's it's pretty amazing there's another band i think they should have put on it but um i think it's pretty amazing what's that what's that band you know what band i think needs to play <laughs> stadium crowds who's that amonomarth all right i think amonomarth needs to play in front of stadium stadium crowds i went to go see amonomarth for the first time Two weeks ago. And old Ricky said, his Viking stuff is really stupid. <laughs> okay. Old Ricky said that. Yeah. And old Ricky stayed outside. And young Ricky went into the show. And I bought into it 100%. I bought into it like I buy into it. Bruce Dickinson stabbing Eddie. Like I buy into Alice Cooper with the guillotine. I went there and sang, they're fucking Vikings. And I had a riot. The people sit on the floor and they row. It's like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. The lyrics are are being Vikings and Odin and the winds and the ocean. And they're drinking from horns and he's holding a hammer. And there's Vikings fighting on stage. Thank God old Ricky stayed outside because young Ricky had the freaking time of his life. And, and we were playing, it was sort of a smaller venue, uh, about 1500 people in North Carolina. I heard they played the form in LA. It's like, I can't imagine what this band is like in, in, in huge arenas because I went there to have fun and I had fun and I, and you know, it was a great bill. It was obituary and carcass, which are great, but you know what? Right now, I'm at the age where I like to see shows. I like to see a band that goes out of their way to have a stage show. And as much as I like straight ahead music, I also like stuff. You know, I like seeing stuff blow up or effects or stage where, you know, when I, you know, when I went to go see Slipknot, I have fun because it's like, wow, who am I going to watch? Am I going to watch Clown? Am I going to watch Sid? Am I going to watch Court? You know, I like to be, oh, I like stuff going on all over the place. And I've always liked that. And, and, and I like that in my rock and roll. I like straight ahead metal and punk rock as well, but I also like a fun show. You brought up Carcass and Obituary there. That's that. Those are two bands that Headbangers Ball got me into. And that's crazy to think now that, you know, that was on cable television in the 90s was was artwork and, and don't care and all that stuff about, you know, Obituary and, and Carcass, man. And the funny thing is, it's like, oh, Headbangers Ball. Yeah, well, I couldn't watch it because you watched you, when you were playing Nelson, which we never fucking played Nelson on Headbangers Ball. <laughs> but I get that all the time. But it's like, well, how could I watch that show when all you played was Winger and Slaughter and Poison? I'm like, we played Carcass. We played Napalm Death. Um, we played so much, you know, obituary. We played, we played, we played, we played a lot of shit on that show, but we also played a lot of bands. There's a lot of bands and obituary is a perfect example mm-hmm. that, you know, when I played an obituary video, I go, oh, and here's, you know, I don't remember what song we played by obituary, but we just played it. And then I just didn't. And it was later in life 
that I really started getting into obituary. The crazy thing is a lot of the darker, heavier, blacker stuff I really wasn't into back then, you know. Now I listen to some of the old stuff of all different genres. And, um, you know, I think it's just, I think it's fun. And it's funny, like the more brutal the music, I find myself smiling. It makes, it makes me happy. It yeah. doesn't bring me down. It, it makes me happy. Last thing on the on the Metallica thing, hearing Lux at Eterna for the first time, I was like, nobody that likes Metallica can hate this song. Like it's it sounds oh, like, they will. but no, they did. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I was I was I was checking out even on like Pantera posts, they'd like be like, this new Metallica sucks. Nothing's good came out since Justice and blah blah blah. And I'm like, this sounds like like Garage Days and Kill 'Em All and like you know everybody wants them to go. It's got Garage Days to it. I, I the, the production wise, <laughs> but I mean. It's to me, it sounds like now is this song good? Yes. Is it heavy? Yes. Is it one of the better? And there's a couple songs they put out in recent years that aren't that are pretty damn good. Mm -hmm. Is the song good? Do I like the song? Yes, I do like the song, but it still sounds like new Metallica to me, really? which isn't bad. I mean, of course, it's going to sound like new Metallica. <laughs> you know? Why does it sound like new Metallica? Because it's new Metallica. Um, you know, I go through different waves where, you know, before it was like the greatest album is master, you know, master is the best thing ever that Metallica put out. And then I go through phases where like, like justice is like, there are so many songs on justice and we forget how incredible that album is. Like, I love that album. I mean, I bought it on vinyl recently because I love that album so much, but Metallica is a band that it doesn't matter what they did. They could do if they found a song that they did, during, you know, the first album and they re-released it, people would still say, oh, it sounds like it's off load or stanger. Or whatever. <laughs> right. People just like that poor band, like nothing they can do. When I first heard the song from the second I heard the song, I'm like, OK, OK. You know, the, the, the from the second that I heard St. Anger, I remember the second I heard St. Anger, I hated it. Mm -hmm. And now that the years pass, I still hate it. But with the new song, the second i heard it, i'm like this is a good song this is a good song there were some songs on death magnetic that were awesome you know i think um it's a great song but no matter what they do people are going to shit on him and i don't know why i mean metallica is a great metal band they're they're the biggest heavy metal band there is whether you like it or not and I, I want to go to the show and I'll buy the new album. And I like what I've heard so far. Does it sound like new Metallica? Yes. It sounds like new Metallica to me. Does it sound bad? No, don't, don't do master. But well, yeah, you could do master puppets again, but <laughs> if you, know, you want to, you could do another seek and destroy, but um, I, I like it. I, I like Metallica, but people are going to talk crap. It doesn't matter though. The people that are talking crap, it doesn't matter. They would have talked, spoke. There's no way those people would say something positive. They gave it a bad review probably before they ever heard it. Right. Well, that's the same thing with, you know, when they raised $10 million through their Helping Hands Foundation, people are like, oh, why didn't they do 11? You know, like, you know, like, well, why didn't they come out of their own pocket with this? Why are they asking fans for the money? And I'm like, that's not how charities work. Like, that's, you know, it, it's just insane how they can never do anything right. But yet they're, they're no. doing, they're doing two nights at stadiums. Uh, you know, for the next two years. So, so yeah, they must be doing something wrong. They, it's, you know, oh my God, you know, I like it when these kids are wearing, you know, Metallica shirts because it was on Stranger Things. 
Luminico is going to name three Metallica. It's like, guys, make up your mind. You say that metal is dead and you're pissed, but you get mad when you see kids listening to metal. If right. somebody, if I see a kid that's wearing a Lamb of God shirt, instead of saying, name three songs, you know, before they release late, late to rest or whatever, instead of saying that to them, tell that kid, cool shirt, because maybe that kid's going to listen to more and dig deeper. And maybe somebody heard one song from a band and they bought the t-shirt and they're into it. And by the way, the music goes to the band. Mm -hmm. um, they're going to go dig deeper. Like if I see little kids listening to bands, I champion that. I like it when they listen. I don't do the gatekeeper things, which is the biggest bunch of bullshit. Because if you want your scene to grow, which I believe that's what you want, you want more people to like it. Does it bug me sometimes when I see uh, Kanye or Kardashian wearing a metal band? Yeah, it does. But what if somebody looks at that and says, oh, I want to see what that band is and listens to it, you know? Right. It's good. I mean, I want, I want, I want everybody to like it. Yes, it's our music, and and I want to keep it tight. But in order for this music to thrive, and in order for us to get more shows, we need to have more a bigger audience, and we need more people to buy tickets and buy albums and buy T-shirts, and that's going to support the scene. It'll continue to flourish. You know, at the same time, but if if Kim Kardashian or Kanye or something wore a Headbangers Ball shirt, you'd be like, yes, let's go. <laughs> open up those. Uh, open up that uh, you know mailing list. Yes, except like like for Headbangers Ball shirts and Cat House shirts, you know, people buy them from me mm -hmm. and, and I've been offered a lot of money to put Cat House shirts in stores like Hot Topics or Spencer's or stuff like that. And I would get a big chunk of change. And you know what? That money would eventually be gone. Right. And, uh, and nobody would buy it because, you know, let's be honest for a second. Ed Hardy shirts looked cool at first. Because an was just a cool tattoo artist, but they just got so played. I mean, we all know, and I'm not going to say names, but certain brands that are just douchey, you know, right. we all know those certain apparel brands that are just douchey. And that's because they're everywhere and every idiot wears them. Well, I went to go see Wasp and I saw so many cat house shirts and so many headbangers ball shirts. And that was great because they bought them from cathousehollywood.com, nowhere else. Chances are I folded that shirt or I picked it up from the printer or whatever. And it's all high quality stuff too. But if it was so accessible that you could get it anywhere, then it wouldn't be that great. You know, right. nobody's going out buying CBGB shirts right now because CBGB shirts were at Target. Cat house shirts never were. I sell them <laughs> and, and they, you know, do I want to see a, um, I don't know, one of these crappy new rap artists wearing cat house shirts. I don't know, because I think it would sell, but I also hate to think that it wasn't a cool thing anymore. You know, like, I think it's cool when I see somebody wearing a cat house shirt because, you know, it's mine, but, and right. I like who, what it represents, I guess. <laughs> well, man, as we uh, wrap up here, let's pull up these, uh, these dates here. What did I, I had them up here. Where do they go? Where do they go? The um, it would be kind of cool though if they did pull up, you know, if they did wear a cat house shirt, and then you do find out later on that uh, that you know he he actually the person read the backstory or heard the podcast or heard you know maybe even just saw Axel wearing it or something like that. Like I there, think there, that people was, buy the, I think people buy cat house shirts yeah. because you have to believe me. We sell a lot of cat house shirts, yeah. but not to the point of it being 
one of those band brands that I'm not going to mention. Right. Um, I think because, but Cat House also, you know, every six months I'll release a different design shirt. And now people are buying things that look nothing like the old shirts because it's a high quality brand, but they know where it comes from, the roots of it. It's, you don't know where this apparel you're, you're working at. It might be overseas. It might be, it's like, this is me. This comes from a dirty, sleazy rock and roll (laughs) club. That's where it comes from. And that's the brand. And we make coffee that is a specialty coffee. It is, you know, there's a a brand called cat house coffee. I was offered money by a company to license the name cat house to a coffee company. And then I started thinking about it. I'm like, I'm going to start my own coffee company. So I went to Costa Rica and then I went to some roasters out here and me and Leah put stickers on the bags and we make cat house coffee. That's a specialty coffee. We don't make money on it, but we sell some of the best coffee out there that gets great. You have to be a certain type of coffee to be labeled a specialty coffee. We are that type of coffee. It's how it's grown. It's how it's made. And I put the cat house brand on it myself because I love that name so much. You know, and I wouldn't put it on an energy drink, you know, or something that I don't believe in. So, you know, I, I think that it's a backstory and also it's a good brand, you know, I think right. that I try to make it a very good brand. It's that's great that you're you're kind of packaging up everything. My I got my wife, uh do you remember the movie Rad, the bike movie? Of course. So I'm a, my wife and I both, we both grew up separate, you know, obviously. And then, but we, when we first met, you know, one of us mentioned the movie rad and it's always been a a, a ongoing thing. So for her, for her birthday, I saw Bill Allen post that he was selling uh, the, the soundtrack on vinyl and for, you know, like whatever he would sign it. And I was like, all right, cool. So I, you know, paid the whatever and, and asked him to sign it. And when we got the package in the mail, I realized, I, I looked at the handwriting on the package and the handwriting on the, on the, on the signature and realized that he, wrote my name on the and the address and stuff and so i cut i cut that out of the out of the packaging just because i'm like dude crew jones like wrote my name <laughs> that's awesome now was red after thrashing uh I, i'm not 100 percent sure because i was uh, a skater yeah you know that's my whole life here, here, here's his old school right here there you go nice Still. <laughs> i love skateboarding but you know what sucks they just opened up a really good skate park right by where I live right now. Yeah. And I'm old and I just had neck surgery. I mean, you see me going like this a lot because I just yeah. had neck surgery. It's a little scar right there. Nice. And um, and I really want to go skateboarding. <laughs> and Leah's like, definitely don't go before you go out on the road. And I know like if I fall, I know I'll shatter like dropping like a <laughs> But like I really want to skate again. I might nice. Yeah, you, you know, yeah, th- those those things are popping up everywhere. I mean, we've got we've got one a nice one here too. That's uh, it's crazy because growing up it was so taboo and you know it's, it's cops chasing everybody and things like that. Now they're like, here's a very nice skate park, go skate there. Just like <laughs> well, I came from the generation of um, going into people's backyards and skating yeah. swimming pools. That's what we used to do. We used to always, hey, there's an empty swimming pool on Hazeltine. You know, yeah. so, hey, so we'd all go there and look when they weren't there and we'd have, you know, our cardboard to tape over the light and the, to clean it up and put some of the death box. And I mean, we had it down. Yeah. And uh, that was that was the generation that I grew up in, in skating backyard pools. Yeah. Did you watch the Tony Hawk documentary, kind of that whole era of the, the, the Bones Brigade and all that stuff? I did. It was interesting. I mean, 
I worked in Marina Del Rey skate park. So I was part of like the whole dog town thing, mm -hmm. which was kind of the interesting thing. And I know Dwayne. So to see Dwayne Peters in that was, was kind of, was kind <laughs> They're of all babies. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, I thought the Tony Hawk documentary was good because, um, I was not a big Tony Hawk fan right? For, for no reason at all, you know, but, um, I watching the documentary, I really appreciate it. I yeah. appreciate him and I like him now. And I thought it was a really good documentary. And obviously, you know, even though I've worked in motorsports for, you know, two decades when he pulled the 900, that was, I think the greatest moment in sports. Cause I saw it live and I remember what an incredible moment that was. So yeah, I'm, I'm a skate dork too. All that stuff. Yeah. It definitely made me, um, it was kind of a cool father son thing too. Cause obviously his dad really didn't care about skating, but he wanted to kind of be a part of his kid's life. And, and I, you know, I didn't realize that his dad was kind of more in the, uh, the, the rules and getting everything together. And not a very popular person either. Right. Yeah. You know, so there you go. Well, let's, uh, let's uh, break down these dates real quick and then I'll get you out of here, man. Uh, December 7th, Cleveland, Ohio at the Winchesters, December 8th, Columbus, Ohio, the King of clubs, December 9th, Flint, Michigan, the machine shop. Great club. Uh, I, everybody says that. I'm so excited. I'm not <laughs> excited about every show. Yeah. I love all the shows, but I really can't wait to get to Michigan. Uh, December 10th, Buffalo, New York, the rec room, and December 11th, Sellersville, Pennsylvania at the Sellersville Theater. Which is a really cool old theater, like a theater theater. Like right. it's beautiful. It's about, I think, like a half hour outside of Philly. And uh, like, like me just sitting here and hearing you tell me those dates – even though I'm leaving in like a couple of days, I'm, I still get a thrill of hearing that, like knowing, and I'm scared shitless. I'm <laughs> so scared. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I know I need to start writing the show. Yeah. You know, it's just now that I realized I don't know how to make the video work behind the stage. So it's like, there's a lot of work to be done. Well, a wise man once told you if everything fails, fails, uh, just do a Q and a. <laughs> so anybody have any questions for ricky uh you know line up here <laughs> leah's over there just like well i had a show and said i'm gonna do a q a answer <laughs> all the questions that people would ask are the same things that will be in the show but we're but you know if you go to cathousehollywood.com there's the link to get the tickets and you can okay. get them all from cathousehollywood.com it just sends you right to all the different venues and uh yeah and the tickets are cheaper if you buy them in advance so get your tickets now and is this something you're looking to do more in 2023 or are you just kind of going to see how this goes or, or what's the, what's the plan right now? Well, yes. And yes, <laughs> I would love nothing more to, to do this. I would love to say what I do now is I go on tour and do these shows. And uh, this is what I really, really want to do. And we'll, we'll see how the, but this is coming from the guy that did one show this. I don't know what the guy that did five shows in a row with 300 miles in between each show is going to say, but I pretty much know that like in the next week, I think I'm going to book more shows and I, I would be more than happy to say that I have 50 shows booked for 2023. And there is talk about shows. And, and I mean, I'm going to be on the headbangers boat, you know, yeah. I'm going to be doing a show on the headbangers boat. So, so I, I want nothing more than to take this on the road and let's just see how this goes. Well, hopefully it does well. I think I, I know it will do well. You're Ricky Rackman, man. You're a legend. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> well, uh, once again, man, Ricky Rackman, thanks for taking some time here. Uh, Talk to me podcast, not best.com. 
the Talk To Me podcast presented by NotFest.com. Follow the show at Talk To Me Talk. Be sure to subscribe, rate the podcast, and leave a review on your favorite podcast app to get the latest from the Talk To Me podcast. 